Play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for episode 295. It is a special one. Yes, it is a special one because we have an interview. Yes, we do. We're interviewing uh, Helen and Phil of One Fall, a newer band, released three-track EP. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the band. We're going to listen to some of their tracks a little later on in the episode as we do. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, wrestling, we're going to talk about music video ideas, and we're going to talk about slingshots. Absolutely. A lot of great stuff. But before we do, this episode truly is a special episode. Eric, why is that? Well, most likely at the time you'll be listening to this, that is December 22nd, 2022, marks the 20th anniversary of the death of the one, the only, John Graham Meller also known as Joe Strummer. Yep, 20 years ago today, we lost him to uh, congenial heart failure or congestial heart failure. And yep, the world weeped every year this day. Right. So, so yeah, we figure that, you know, being that we're a, a punk rock podcast, we should, you know, pay proper tribute in memoriam to this man because arguably without him being uh, the man who he was we would not be here today talking about the music that we do right i mean the man his uh, stature and his uh <clears throat> his position in the entire genre cannot be understated he is critically important to the uh to the music of punk rock in general. And he didn't stay beholden to punk rock. He branched out, he fiddled around with, uh, he fiddled around with a lot of dub, a lot of ska, and a lot of reggae. Also tried a bunch of uh, different forms of rock and roll and rockabilly, and also some R&B and soul. And yeah, we will get into a lot of that as the episode goes on. Eric's curated list full of great tracks. I included one that was Christmas-ish, the- closest thing to a Christmas track I could find of The Clash. It's not that Christmassy, but we'll play it. Uh, before we do, we're going to talk about some new stuff. Both of our lists are short and uh, a good day to do it because we need to get into all this cool Joe Strummer stuff and get to that awesome interview we have with One Fall and listen to some new tracks with One Fall on the topic of new music. There are several bands, and if any of those bands are out there listening, I plan to get to your tracks in the next two to three episodes, depending on how long it takes to get to all of them, and people keep sharing. Please keep doing so. We'll keep playing. Starting on December 10th, Paranoid Visions released their four, uh, four individual releases, all totally called 40 Years and Still Not Tame. Go find it on rotaryvinyl.com or Rotary Vinyl on Bandcamp. Uh, Paranoid Visions on Bandcamp. Despite Despair released Hexen on the 11th. Uh, that's an EP. Mel Zebra and the Buffaloes on the 12th released Furry and Furious. The Putts released Ho Ho Ho, Let's Go EP on the 12th. That Mel Zebra and the Buffaloes release was on Damn It Records. Pestigore is really, or released a single called Sons of Malice on the 12th. They do have a new album coming called Baptized in Pus. Pardon Us released A Christmas Wish, which is a single on the 13th. Mad Splatter, or yeah, they released Christmas at the Splatterhouse single on the 13th. And 
Uh, those handful of Christmas tracks all will be on the Punkanoi Worldwide Christmas Special, which will also be out on December 22nd. So you can listen to some Christmas tracks going into Christmas. Uh, Less, that's backslash backslash Less. They released Trauma. It's an EP on the 14th. Suzio 13 released Me Condena on the 15th. Bruise Control released on the 15th. Taxman and Spinner's Mill, two tracks. That's on TNS Records. Dismotive released Calorie Light, which is a single. Blood Clot released Souls, seven tracks on Upstate Records on the 16th. Crime Time released their EP called Parasites on the 16th. Egoistin released four, that's Roman numeral four, on the 16th. Stiglitz released Deja Vu on Flamingo Records on the 16th. Precious released Hidden in Plain Sight EP on Indecision Records. House Ghost released Another Realm on Rad Girlfriend Records, all of those on the 16th. Little Willie over on Little Willie Records released Our Time is Few, which is a single on the 18th. City Saints their Punk and Roll double LP, I think, is coming out on the 23rd, this Friday. On the 24th, Alarm Stufe Gird is releasing a self-titled on Spastic Fantastic Records. And finally, on January 1st, One of Us is releasing a self-titled One of Us on Melodic Punk Style. I need to catch up on my list. I got behind. A lot of other cool stuff to get to on this episode, though. Eric, what do you have to add to the list? Uh, not much. Um some of which are uh, releases you already mentioned, such as Despite Despair, Less, Paranoid, and Blood Clot. Um, two of which I have uh, listened to. I've listened to Paranoids, The Great Reset, and it's a great single. And I've listened to Blood Clot Souls, and it is, it's pretty blistering. It's got a lot of cool stuff in there, some old school hardcore, some old school crossover, and they even have a Bad Brains cover in there. Nice. It's John Joseph. What do you expect? He practically lived in the shadow of the Bad Brains. <laughs> Not saying that's a bad thing, but, you know, what better band to, uh, you know, uh, base your musical uh, excursion on? Right. Yeah, the only uh, other things I have to add is uh, Sacrilegion. They released from Witches at Nightmares Crawl, their debut album, on the 9th. And on the 20th, Total Serial, an old-school Salt Lake City disband, released Demo. Just Demo. I guess they never released anything uh, prior to that. But there's such an abundance of those style uh, noisy disbands that it was hard to keep track of them. <laughs> I can name a few off the top of my head, including Total Serial. I know Nelson Muntz. I know Harvey Keitel. <laughs> I know Steve Buscemi. I know Windex. Yes, these were actual names. <laughs> that was kind of their gimmick. Also, uh, Discoid A. That was one of the first bands I was introduced to when I started going to, when I started going to uh, Salt Lake Underground shows. Uh, but that's... Uh, that's not exactly important right now. The, what is important is uh, Total Serial is uh, back making, well, I don't want to say music, but making noise, definitely. Awesome. Well, let's get into the Joe Strummer-a-thon on this episode. Uh, what are we kicking it off with? We are kicking it off with a cover. Yes. Yep, a cover. The Clash has uh, released some, uh, uh, some pretty decent uh, cover songs throughout their years, and this is one of them. This song was originally written in the 1960s by a band called The Equals, which, are a, uh, which were an R&B group but had a lot of uh, rock influences in, in there. And this song was uh, still it held a lot of water back then, and it held a lot of water 10 years later when The Clash covered it. It was a little more than 10 years. It was probably 15 years. It came out on their uh, Sandinista record, which... Oh, we'll be talking about that later. <laughs> we'll be talking a little bit about that. If you know what Sandinista was, you know what I mean. Uh, and this was the only song that stood out on that record in terms of, uh, in terms of sonic 
presentation. This was the only one that sounded more punk, at least to my ears, in the sea of ska and reggae and dub and all these experimental tracks and even and even reggae versions of their classic songs. There's even yeah, there's a reggae song, a reggae version of their song uh, "Career Opportunities" in there. It's pretty, it's pretty bizarre. Uh, but I'll, I'll be talking more about that later. But Police on My Back, it may be a cover, but The Clash turned it into one of their, if you will, classics. <laughs> That's the only time I'm going to use that pun. Got it done. Beginning of the episode. It's out of the way. But let's, uh, let's actually get started on praising Joe Strummer and his, God, 30 years worth of work that he put into this, uh, that he put into music. Yeah, let's start it. <laughs>
Yeah, that's a way to get you guys moving. <laughs> right? You know, doing the podcast, we play so many new tracks, and there's always cool bands to discover and new things going on. You know, a large part, like you said, uh, would we be here, right, without somebody like Joe Strummer? And would those bands be doing stuff with somebody like Joe Strummer? But the thing is, we don't get to awesome bands like The Clash and Joe Strummer on this show often enough because we're always, mm -hmm. hey, look at all this cool stuff that people are actually doing in the moment, right? Yeah. And not often enough getting back to the, hey, uh, a lot of us are doing these things and interested in these things because of these, these bands and these tracks and, and such. Oh, yeah. I mean, we should always, uh, I mean, it's within the ethos of uh, punk rock to be forward thinking, to always think about what's uh, coming next. Right. You know, but then you got those old, uh, those old guys who were there, man, and they, <laughs> they saw these bands way back in their prime, and uh, we're just like uh, riding off the coattails of their popularity. It's like, well, I'm sorry I wasn't born earlier. Right. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, some but, of these tracks yeah. are released before I was born. Most of these tracks were released before you were born. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I shared, the, I shared this planet with uh, Joe Strummer for a full eight years before uh, he kicked the bucket. So Right. Yeah, and unfortunately, that was in a time where I did not know The Clash even existed. I didn't even know what punk rock was until <laughs> I was well into my teens. Uh, but that's... Uh, that, that's not the point. We're not. That's discussing. not a Joe Strummer story. Yeah, we're not talking about my history. We're talking about his history. And but that is kind of the point I was making. It's like it's good to look back in in terms of inspiration. Realize right. uh, just kind of take what others have done and see how you can assess that and put it into your own uh, piece of work. Right. And that's what uh, Joe Strummer was doing when he was uh, he was born in Ankara, Turkey. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not I'm going to go with sure. it. Ankara. And then his family uh, moved to England, and he moved around England playing in, a, playing in various bands. And he was taking up uh, guitar lessons, rather like self-teaching himself. But he was inspired by a lot of the classics like Little Richard and Woody Guthrie and the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys were what uh, prompted him to actually pick up a guitar. And he also nicknamed himself after Woody Guthrie. He called himself Woody Meller. Okay. Yeah. So when he moved, uh, he moved back to uh, London and formed the band the 101ers with his roommates. And they named their band after the address of their squat that they were living in. <laughs> now, the 101ers, they, were, uh, they went around uh, London playing in pubs, mostly playing R&B covers in a sort of a rockabilly style. And it was during this uh, tenure in this group when he adopted the name Joe Strummer. He was like, eh, fuck the Woody thing. <laughs> fuck the Woody. <laughs> he, re he was referencing to his role as a rhythm guitarist, strumming the strings. Yeah, pretty straightforward. And yeah, they released a few singles and released, uh, released the EP. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just the 1976 EP. Has been uh, reissued a few different times. I don't know which one is the uh, definitive EP that came out, but all I know is that there was a song on there called Keys to Your Heart, which was their first single. And it was inspired by Strummer's girlfriend at the time, Paul Molive, who was the drummer for The Slits. And yeah, it's a typical love song on how falling in love changes the lives of all parties involved and once it, once it is granted entrance. And yeah, it gets, uh, it gets pretty uh, mushy on there. Like uh, standout lyrics would be, I never used to look in the mirror in case of what I might see, but now I think I look like a killer. Because your heart, I found the keys. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's a pretty hmm, suggestive, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't really get that in the upbeatness of this song. So let's hear what Joe Strummer was doing before he went into punk rock and with The Clash. This is Keys to Your Heart by the 101ers. <laughs> Jumpy and inviting, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And also, I bet you uh, listeners were not exactly expecting a, d- a cut that deep and that far back. It's like, well, this is a Joe Strummer-themed episode. You're probably thinking, yeah, it's going to be all Clash. No, it's not going to be all Clash. And even then, you know, we could have, I could have so easily made this a Just Add Water uh, type episode, type <laughs> tribute, just like, yeah, we'll talk about their uh, early stuff, and then we'll uh, throw in some Rock the Casbah and some London Calling in there for good measure, do a little fan service, and then probably end it on some should I stay or should I go. But no, I did not want to uh, do such injustice to Strummer in his wake. You know, I think, you know, a man of who is as iconic as him and left behind such a legacy, we can only do this properly right yeah and i should have uh, preluded the uh, episode with this but you know now that we've uh, kind of got you reeled in you don't have a choice now you're <laughs> in it you're gonna be listening to it another thing that i so what i did was i spent the last two days just like deep diving into uh, joe strummer's history and his career and all things outside of it that he was uh, partaking in <clears throat> and and yeah i decided that if i'm gonna do this properly I will need to write this all down and read off of it. Because if you have noticed in this show, you know I have a tendency to uh, skip over words and sort of uh, forget what I'm going to say. And either I just get too excited or too confused about certain things. I tend to leave out little, uh, little details or I forget what point I am trying to make <laughs> or, or anything of that sort. So I realize, you know what? For Joe Strummer, I'm going to have everything written down. I want to make sure I don't miss a thing. I just want to, uh, you see what I mean. (laughs) I just just want to pay proper tribute to him in the most clear and concise way that I can. I mean, and this is what I do for my Lead Melodies podcast as well. I write out the review in the written word and I read off of it. You know, and I ad-lib whenever is uh, needed. I'm ad-libbing right now. Now I'm going to get back to the script. <laughs> My analog teleprompter. <clears throat> anyway, that was, uh, yeah, that was the one-on-oneers. They were, they were active from uh, 74 to about 76. Then Joe Strummer attended a show where the then newly formed Sex Pistols were playing. And that is what light lit the spark inside Joe, realizing this is the music of the future. This is what's going to this is what's going to dominate rock and roll for the next few years, the next few decades. Whatever it is, I love it and I want to get on it. And he was quote and yeah, he was quoted in saying, I knew something was up, so I went out in the crowd, which was fairly sparse, and I saw the future with a snotty handkerchief right in front of me. <laughs> it was immediately clear. Pub rock was Hello, you bunch of drunks. I'm going to play these boogies, and I hope you like them. The Pistols came out that Tuesday evening, and their attitude was, Here's our tunes. We're going to give a flying fuck whether you like them or not. In fact, we're going to play them even if you fucking hate them. So that was, that was the turning point for Joe Strummer. And, well, the rest is history. History that we will talk about later on in the episode. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a non-linear format, just the way that this episode's matched out and the way the songs fall on this episode. So I'm going to be jumping back and forth. Also another reason why I have shit written in front of me. (laughs) So we're going to fast forward uh, way to the uh, end of Joe Strummer's career to this band that he formed in 1999 called the Mescalaros. I believe that's also how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. It could be Mescalaros. It could be Mescalaros. 
All I know is that it's, uh, it's good music. It is. I like it. Yeah. The thing was, the sort of in-between era between, uh, the, uh, between The Clash and this aforementioned band, it was a weird time. He was just kind of doing uh, uh, pretty much any job that he could take, you know, in, music, in musical creation, pretty much. But like I said, in 1999, he gathered together some of the, uh, some of the people he was working with uh, cr- uh, creating music for soundtracks. And they signed with Hellcat Records and released three albums, the first of which was Rock Art and the X-Ray Style. And it was the first album Strummer composed since his solo album, Earthquake Weather. <clears throat> it also pays ode to the soundscapes of The Clash, mixing multiple styles and instruments as they would do, you know, London Calling and Onward. And they even had a song in there called Road to Rock and Roll, which uh, was written for Johnny Cash. Then their second album, Global A Go-Go, came out in 2001, and had more of an influence from uh, world music. It got a little weird in the, uh, during the production. Minstrel Boy was an 18-minute composition of an old Irish song. Wow. And it's rumored that Pete Townsend of The Who actually laid down some uh, guitar tracks for that record. Uh, for that song specifically, but is uh, you can't exactly hear it in the mix. It's never been confirmed, but, you know, people like to spread rumors about it. All right. Some of the songs on there became uh, recognizable. The song Johnny Appleseed became the opening theme for HBO's John from Cincinnati, and a shortened version of Minstrel Boy is used as the closing song in Black Hawk Down. The final album, Street Corps, this is the one I'm going to be talking about. It was released posthumously in 2003. It was during the production of this album that Joe Strummer passed away. That being that most of Strummer's vocal recordings were first takes, if even they had any at all. The song Midnight Jam never had vocals recorded for it. But they ended up releasing the song with uh, sound clips from uh, Strummer's BBC radio show, Joe Strummer's London Calling in place of where the vocals would go. Cool. Yeah. And it does get a bit experimental on here, arguably more digestible than some of their previous works. Uh, Coma Girl has more of an alternative rock sound. Uh, Get Down Moses is more attuned to reggae. Long Shadow feels like Heartland Western folk. And All in a Day feels more closely related to the classic Clash sound. And there's also a cover of uh, Bob Marley's Redemption song. We'll get to that a little later. And the closing song is a cover of Bobby Charles's Before I Grow Old. However, it is uh, titled on here as Silver and Gold. And that's the song that I chose to, uh, to place as a representative for this album and this band, which was like the last, basically the last thing that was released with his uh, stamp of approval on it. And it's the closer of this album. And... It's basically talking about, it's basically a reminiscent track, just uh, thinking of all the things you've done and what you want to do before you grow old. Yeah, a pretty, uh, a pretty tragic way to end an album, considering the circumstances, but very poetic in that sense. And it's a reserved song. It's a mostly Joe and his guitar just singing on it. It's really soft, really somber, but tugs at the heartstrings. So here we go, silver and gold. One, two... I want a two, three, kick. I'm gonna go out dancing every night. 
I'm gonna see all the city lights I'm do everything silver and gold I got to hurry up before I grow too old I'm gonna take a trip around the world I'm gonna kiss all the pretty girls I'm do everything silver and gold and I got to hurry up before I grow too old I know it's wrong Hope I'm forgiven Before I'm gone It'll take a lot of press To save my soul And I got to hurry up Before I grow too old I'm gonna take a trip Around the world Gonna kiss all the Pretty girls Gonna do everything Silver and gold I got to hurry up before I go too old Yeah, I'm gonna go out dancing every night I'm gonna see all y'all City lights, I'm gonna do everything silver and gold, and I got to hurry up before I go too old. Okay, that's a take. Yeah, if anything, that song uh, is more of a warning to the youth of today, right? It's like if you need to accomplish something, well, don't wait around too long, Sonny. That was one of the uh, final songs that uh, Joe Strummer recorded. You may be thinking, why, why, oh why, did I not reserve it for the end of this, of this episode? Well, I feel like a more important track is a better end cap to this uh, tribute to Mr. Strummer as well as another very famous artist. So, we'll get to that when we get to that in another eh, couple hours or so. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming! <clears throat> yes, it is coming. And what else is coming? Remember how I was talking about the album Sandinista? Well, it's time to talk about that album again. For those of you that don't know, this was, a, uh, this was the album that was released right after London Calling in 1980. And it continued on their mixing of genres, including punk, reggae, dub, and R&B, but even brought in elements of hip-hop, funk, jazz, gospel, folk, disco, calypso, and rockabilly. Yeah. Does that sound loaded? Well, it should because there are 36 songs on this album. It was a triple LP, and it was produced by The Clash and Mikey Dredd, who was also a famed producer of many reggae bands. And it touted a score of guest musicians, most of which I can't even recognize. <laughs> when it was released, it was uh, incredibly divisive among fans and critics alike. Uh, some were addressing disdain with its length, its aimless trajection, being too esoteric to warrant such an extensive track listing, and too ambitious for its own good. Even comparing it to the Beatles' White Album, which 
in their own right, was an incredibly divisive album amongst Beatles fans. It was like, this one, they're getting way too into the sitars. <laughs> <laughs> Others praised it specifically for its overt and lucid political lyricism, some of which were incredibly specific. You could argue that it's a dating of the songs, but... You know, if it plays off more like a, a history lesson, then I guess it's okay. I already talked about the uh, song Police on My Back, but one of the songs I really wanted to play was uh, was either Somebody Got Murdered or Washington Bullets. I was like, oh, which one is uh, which one is better? I don't know. I actually reached out to my friend, Sydney, who's also in my band. I was like, hey, you are an obsessive Clash fan. What song should I talk about in Sandinista? And she mentioned a few, including uh, Somebody Got Murdered and The Magnificent Seven. And I listened to those ones, and I'm like, okay, this could be, these could be some pretty great contenders. And while I do love Somebody Got Murdered, it's more rampant in terms of musicality. It's, uh, it's got a lot of lyrics depicting on how murders occur in such an abundance that they become faceless crimes. So yeah, don't worry, a lot of the socio-political things are, uh, is not lost on this album. <laughs> That's one thing you come to notice about The Clash and Joe Strummer. He is, he is uh, politically extroverted in and out of his musical career. But then I looked into the lyrics of Washington Bullets, and it's, uh, it's Joe's most direct political lyrical outcry, referring to turmoil in Afghanistan, Chile, Nicaragua, Cuba, and Tibet, supporting the foundation and push for left, leftist governments, but also expressing his disagreement of Moscow's and Beijing's communist policies. He's referring to, he refers throughout the song the, uh, the incident of the Bay of Pigs and Castro, and talking about how the Dalai Lama, or just like asking the Dalai Lama, where did all the monks go now that China moved in? Yeah. He gets, uh, like I said, it's pretty specific, but their victims are still here today, unfortunately. Yeah. One thing you can't fault uh, Joe on was being informed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I went with uh, this song, Washington Bullets. It's just got such an, in just got such an intense vibe about it. And I really wanted to uh, pick a song from Sandinista because this was how, um, how influenced by Jamaican music Joe Strummer really was. It is a sea of reggae and dub songs in, throughout this uh, triple LP. And it was, I was hard-pressed to find a standout. Because, honestly, reggae is incredibly boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's slow. It's so, like, uh, soft. It doesn't really grab me in the way. I guess I never smoked enough weed to be a <laughs> reggae head. <laughs> but... But I don't know. It does have its place. I don't hate on reggae. I love some very surface-level reggae artists. I mean, Bob Marley was the first artist I listened to. I mean, Buffalo Sol Soldier was the first song I tried to memorize at the impressionable age of seven. <laughs> <laughs> but then I found rock music, and it was all uh, downhill, uphill from there. Yeah, it's whatever it was. Still climbing. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was, a, it was a little hard for me to get through this uh, record because it was... It was long, for one, and just listening to a shitload of reggae songs, it was, it was hard to pay attention. I was almost falling asleep. So thank you, Sid. Thank you, Sid, for uh, pointing me in the right direction. I'm sorry I didn't choose any of your songs that you suggested, but at least I mentioned it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are credited. Don't you worry. So with that, that being said, here is Washington Bullets. Oh, mama, mama, look at 
children are playing in the street again Don't you know what happened down there? A youth of 14 got shot down there The cocaine guns are jammed downtown The killing clowns are blood money men The shooting goes Washington bullets again As every cell in Chile will tell The cries of the tortured men Remember Allende in the days before In the Santiago Stadium Everdad Those Washington bullets again And in the Bay of Pigs in 1961 Havana for the Playboy in the Cuban sun For Castro is the color, is a redder than red Those Washington bullets want Castro dead For Castro is the color Definitely hear more of that uh, Caribbean uh, calypso influence with those uh, right. wooden, those wooden tubular bells, and the and the organ that's just existing in the background until it comes in at the very end there. Right. You know, then it's like, okay, we know you have the organ, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, for a you know a song title like that, Washington Bullets, that just screams a rampant, intense punk rock song. I was not expecting this, <laughs> you know. But but yeah, as I did a more of a deep dive, I mean, reggae does like demand my attention. <laughs> Because, like I said, it's incredibly soft. I don't even notice when it touches me. <laughs> it's like, okay, goddamn, I gotta sit down and actually pay attention to this. As much as it's, uh, as much as it sounds like background music, I do need to uh, do some uh, deep diving on this. Like I said, if I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to actually praise Joe Strummer and his body of work, I couldn't just listen to it. I had to absorb it. <laughs> And I did absorb this one, and got a, and got more of a uh, more of a respect for uh, Joe's experimentation on this specific record. Now, remember what I was saying at the top of the episode: how I wasn't going to uh, make this a fan service uh, episode and play like all the hits of the Clash. Well, I still feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't at least talk about London Calling. Yeah, let's uh, let's get this out of the way. This was the album that made the Clash. You know, when everyone thinks of The Clash, they think of that cover of Paul just uh, mid-swing with his bass overhead and just about to smash it on the fucking floor. (laughs) That bass now resides in the Rock and Roll History Museum. Yeah, you can go see it. History uh, encased in glass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody knows London Calling. It was the, like I said, it was the album that made The Clash and made it just... That was their benchmark album. It just made them the stars that we know them as today. And people hail it as a punk rock classic when really this was the Clash starting to move away from punk rock a little bit. This was a, uh, a sonic smorgasbord of punk, reggae, and ska, as well as more rockabilly and traditional rock and roll with elements of R&B and jazz in it. And... Singles like Lost in the Supermarket, Train in Bane, and Guns of Brixton all are all part of a strain of narratives, both real and fictional, throughout London's underworld. And there are also, they're also songs of retrospective insights and regards to existentialism and criticism of people's refusal for mental growth and questioning their ideologies. So, yeah, pretty... Pretty standard for The Clash, but this is like hitting all those points <laughs> in that list of things that The Clash has sung about, needs to sing about, and will continue to sing about. Right. <laughs> and for example, the title track, it refers to the BBC World Station's uh, uh, station identification, which was used during World War II in radio transmission to occupied countries. So, London Calling. Right. So, <clears throat> in London here, Calling to Faraway Lands. Exactly. <laughs> So it was written as a reaction to a series of events that, when all spliced together, paint a picture of humanity's degradation. Lyrics like, a nuclear error is referring to Three Mile Island. We ain't got no swing except for the ring of that truncheon thing, expresses the disdain with police brutality and their excessive use of their truncheons, which is a British idiom for batons. Okay. And, of course, the chorus, London is drowning and I live by the river. That's referencing that if the liver Thames were to flood, most of central London would drown, quite literally. And, yeah, they since uh, solved that problem. They built a barrier all over the Thames. That's good. So, yeah, that's, that's good. I'm and, glad none of them will drown. Yes. <laughs> and, it, and it ends, you remember how London Calling ends with that little uh, beeping? Yep. Well, that's a telegram 
and it translates to SOS. Oh, nice. So yeah, that's like London is drowning. We're drowning. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. I like it. Yeah. So now that I've built this song up enough, yeah, I'm going to be playing it, but it is not the version you're thinking of. That would just be too easy. No, instead, I figured it more fitting that I play a, <clears throat> a version of the song that was played in the 2003 Grammy Awards. And, you know, when the, if you watch the Grammys, I haven't watched them for years, nor do I want to. I don't think they're important. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. But they do that little uh, in memoriam, the list of musicians we lost last year. And, you know, they, of course, had to single out Joe Strummer. Because, yeah, guy's a fucking icon. Right. <laughs> and, who, and they get a group of musicians together to cover London Calling live. And that group of musicians included Bruce Springsteen, Elvis Costello, Steve Van Zant, and Dave Grohl. That's awesome. Yeah, Steve Van Zant was uh, uh, part of the E Street Band, which Bruce Springsteen collaborated with a lot. <laughs> And I, I wanted to point that out because you look at these musicians. They are three musicians of, that are on different parts of the spectrum of rock and roll. We know Elvis Costello, he was uh, in league with the punks back in the 70s. Not exactly a punk rock musician, but, you know, he was around. Right. He was around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was around. He was definitely I don't know that I'd play any Elvis Costello on this show, but yes, <laughs> he was around. And Yeah, I played Elvis on this show. It wasn't as a punk rock song, but I played uh, Radio Radio. There you go. Yeah. And yeah, then you have uh, the boss from yeah. New Jersey. Yeah, and he's just, uh, he's just classic rock and roll, Springsteen is, you know? No other way to put it, just heartland rock. Well, good old American rock and roll, we'll right. say that. Born in the USA. Yeah, it's the type, of, uh, the type of music that you hear at tailgates at football games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then, of course, Dave Grohl. Nice guy, Dave. He's been all over the spectrum playing in hardcore and grunge, and now he's made his riches with the Foo Fighters. Yep. You know, which is a, a softer alternative rock band, sort of in, I guess you can uh, align them with uh, post-grunge, maybe? Sure. But you know the Foo Fighters. Everyone knows the Foo Fighters. Everyone knows Dave Grohl. He's one of the most likable celebrities in music right now. And I watched I'm, his horror movie that yeah. he did, too. Oh, yeah, Studio 666. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that movie was so dumb. <laughs> He's I fried, laughed, man. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. I loved, I loved that. <laughs> and you get to see Taylor Hawkins in it. Yes, you do. Speaking of people who have passed away. Anyway, yep. back to Joe Strummer. Yeah, back to Joe's st- the song anyway. Yeah, back to back to the song. So yeah, I I'm just like this is how far the Clash's reach goes in terms of inspiration. These three musicians from different ends of the rock and roll spectrum all came together to play the f- most famous song arguably by the Clash just in memoriam of him. So here it is. Here is London Calling live at the 2003 Grammys with all the aforementioned musicians. You boys and girls, London calling. 
Audio is a little murky. I mean, this is uh, most likely just bootleg footage. Well, it's it's not bootlegged. It's actually footage that was used during that Grammy uh, broadcast. But there's not a uh, you know a well produced version of that cover. Right. So so yeah, take it for what it's worth. But even though it kind of adds to the uh, spirit of it a little bit, it's like even though it's not the best. This is what we got. Be happy with what you have. It's out there and it exists. Yes, it's out there and people can enjoy it. Unless it gets uh, copyrighted and take down, took down by YouTube. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, how does that fucking be? Huh. Yeah, but anyway, that was, uh, that's all I have to say about London Calling. You know, it can speak for hours on that record. We can fill up a whole podcast full of that, full of us just talking about London Calling. Maybe two. So... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep it at that. The clash would go on after London Calling. They did Sandinista. We already talked about that. And afterwards, they would release Combat Rock. Otherwise, the album was Should I Stay or Should I Go on it. Right. Yeah, and that basically became uh, the Clash's Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. Yeah. They played it so much. People heard it so much that it's gotten to the point where they just resent it. I know I do. <laughs> you know, every time I see Anti-Flag, without fail, they always, 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 always cover that song. And I'm just like, will you just stop? <laughs> Maybe cover something else if you feel the need to include a cover in your otherwise, I don't know, pandering set. <laughs> but this isn't about Anti-Flag. This is about The Clash. And, and yeah, like I said, London Calling was the album that made The Clash. But Combat Rock was their best-selling album. It went double platinum in the U.S. And Rock the Casbah was its highest-charting single in the U.S. So, so yeah, that's probably in the fact that it was uh, less snappy as a punk rock record, but not as uh, just as politically vibrant. They had plenty of songs in there to uh, just, you know point the fingers at what's wrong with this uh, planet. But musically, it was like, a, well, you we need to make it a bit more digestible for I think it was the, the sound that Mick Jones was going for. When the band broke up, Mick Jones did Big Audio Dynamite. And if you listen mm -hmm. to Big Audio Dynamite and hear, you know, I think there's some similarities, and that's where the, I think he was trying to evolve the sound, too. You still had the political 
fieriness that Joe Strummer put into the music as far as the, the lyrics go, but I think the sound was that evolutionary path that Mick yeah. Jones was going. Oh, yeah. And this was just the start of uh, them butting heads. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would, o- it would only get worse from there. And on top of that, their drummer, uh, Topper Hayden, Heaton, he was, uh, he was using heroin excessively and, you know, couldn't drum to the, uh, to the standards that they were looking for. Right. So they kicked him out. And, yeah, infamously, Joe fired Jones after the tour of Combat Rock. It was like, it came to a head, we are done with each other. And what followed was their album, Cut the Crap. Right? And that's where the next song that we are going to be talking about resides. And this was one of your choosing. The final album of The Clash, which came out in 85, uh, I only picked it, like I said, I was looking for something to see if they did anything like a Christmas cover. I know it's not very Clash-like to do so. Well, again, like I said at the top of the show, the lyrics might not get there. The sound kind of does. It's that Christmas season. We were trying to include Christmas tracks. Uh, this show is exclusively about Joe Strummer and stuff related to him. And then mm-hmm. One Fall, which we're about to get to that interview. But before we do, I'm going to play this track, uh, Christmas Spirit and All. <laughs> Take it for what it is. Listen to the lyrics. Enjoy it. Eric's going to get into his album, and then we will get into One Fall. So here we go. This is England off of Cut the Crap. It's The Clash.
Yeah, about, and I'm not entirely sure why or how. I don't know. This, uh, yeah, on further analysis of this song, it was uh, written uh, about uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher's Ray Jeans and just a list of problems that England was facing, including uh, at that time, which is like racism, nationalism, unemployment, corruption, uh, the dying motorcycle industry, and, uh, and of course, inner city violence. Again, nothing too uncommon in uh, Clash songs, but what was uncommon was the use of uh, the drum machine right. and synthesizers. And that's where a lot of people had uh, problems with this uh, new Clash album. I mean, they even regard it as the worst Clash album. I heard, and this specific song, if I remember correctly, somebody was trying to... Some Christmas thing in England, like on BBC, they did something and somebody was lobbying like every year to get this specific song. I think probably more for the message in the song. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of has, you know, the children chanting, whatever you want to call it in the background, kind of gives it a holiday-esque sound. That's as close as it gets. But I thought, hey, we're going to play something off Cut the Crap. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> might as well. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, with all the uh, with the lineup changes, as aforementioned, you know, no more Topper, no more uh, Todd, but <clears throat> but you know, Joe and Paul were still there, and they couldn't exactly they didn't exactly find a new drummer. They tried they tried out some uh, former Clash drummers, and uh, just never really fit the bill. So they just went for broke and used the uh, drum machine, and it was yeah, it was a, it was pretty dicey to say the least. <laughs> But yeah, not a not a bad song, but it's not even really the clash at their standard. Right. <laughs> Lyrically, yes, absolutely. You can't take away that from any of the clash songs. They are always tip top in tip top shape. Right. For their lyrics. Musically, well, that's uh, that's a different story. <laughs> well, we played it uh, again. It's out there. Uh, let's move on to your album. We got an interview to get to, but we have a cool album. This is a great album. You're up. What's the album? Well, the album that is uh, my favorite from The Clash is their first one, the self-titled debut. Oh, my God. This one is their most punk album. It's got the... It's got the speed, it's got the ferocity, it's got, the, uh, it's got all the lyrical hot spots that The Clash would become known for. And yeah, like I said, this was, uh, this was Joe diving in headfirst into punk and would be part of the punk explosion in England of 1977. <clears throat> so 
Before I get into uh, the album, a little backstory on the uh, Clash. They were originally named London SS, but they broke up and reformed with a different name. Paul Simonon derived derived it from seeing that word, the Clash, constantly used it in uh, in the papers. You know, he was reading newspaper articles, and they would always say Clash this and Clash that. So he's like, "Hey, fuck it, I'm just gonna call this band the Clash." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it consisted of uh, far-left ideologies, uh, spreading the message of anti-racism, anti-fascism, unemployment, and oppression, and trying not to malign themselves with the radical anarchic views preached by the Pistols, carving out their niche more easily. Because, uh, yeah, Joe Strummer said that he doesn't believe in anarchy. He calls it rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, the Pistols, they may preach it, but, you know, they're really just kind of a <clears throat> Showboys, <laughs> you know they've been they've been uh, criticized for that, and uh, no need to uh, no need to bring it up here. But they uh, eventually signed to uh, CBS, were granted a uh, hundred thousand pounds for uh, uh, for recording their album, and that is what we got. And their self titled debut, it did fairly well. It titled. <clears throat> titled and charted <laughs> at number 12 on the UK album charts. Yet CBS refused to have it uh, released in the US, uh, citing its low production value wouldn't appease American listeners. However, with it being the best-selling import releases of 77, they eventually released it in the US <laughs> two years later. <laughs> Which wasn't even the first official release no, in the wasn't. US. Yeah, it was, a, uh, it was a special edition US release with a lot of the tracks... Uh, switched around and even some hidden tracks put in there right yeah and let's uh, let's talk about some of the some of the uh, songs there's um <clears throat> yeah some of the leading singles on here like Janie Jones London's Burning and White Riot they were among the first singles with significant chart placements and considering their subject matter that's pretty uh <laughs> That's, a, that's quite a barrier to cross. Right. I mean, Janie Jones is about a brothel keeper in the 1970s. The song Remote Control uh, was calling out the bureaucrats that canceled the gigs and their liaison with the police and bigwigs at record companies. Uh, one of my favorites, this was actually, on the, uh, this was actually in the line to, uh, to be one of my uh, song choosings for this record, I'm So Bored with the USA which is just blatantly calling out Americanization, specifically with the UK, but honestly, it was a, it was a slippery slope, and we are well past the point of uh, <laughs> slipping down that precipice, buddy. They have a McDonald's in Vietnam. <laughs> Let that sink in. McDonald's is in Vietnam. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know that Americanization has gone too far when you actually start seeing uh, Burger King in North Korea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I like about that. Mm -mm. And, and one specific standout song for me, but really more of the history behind it, was Garage Land, the album Closer. <clears throat> and it was actually a response to an NME review that was written by Charles Shar Murray, stating, The Clash are the sort of garage band that should be speedily returned to the garage, preferably with the motor still running. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, they just took that and was just like, yeah, you know, let's go back to the garage. Right. In a matter of speaking, you know, some of the best punk bands were formed in garages. <clears throat> so 
with that having been said, the first song I wanted to talk about here was Career Opportunities. Yeah, that's a song that's about the stagnant unemployment in the UK and the lack of appeal from those jobs that were available. They mentioned service jobs like uh, police, bus drivers, ticket checkers, and they reference military jobs as well, like, I don't want to go to the tropical heat. <laughs> and like I said earlier, it was re-recorded for Sandinista and sung by Luke and Ben Gallagher and sons of Mickey Gallagher, who was in a band called The Blockheads. When I first saw Gallagher, I thought, oh, God, he got Oasis in on this. <laughs> but no, Oasis came a little later anyway, so whatever. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> but yeah, career opportunities. You know, we're still facing these problems today. Like I said, some of these, uh, some of these direct political narratives that uh, social political narratives from the class's uh, catalog can be, you know, esoteric to say the least and run the run the risk of being dated. But unfortunately, unemployment and uh, job stagnation is very real to this day. Right. You know, all the, you know, me as a delivery driver, I deliver to uh, body shops and they're always uh, complaining about shorthandedness, people's uh, incompetence and unwillingness to work and learn the trade. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's just the way things are right now. It sucks. No one's willing to put in their fair share and pull their weight. True. Yeah, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, whether people just don't want to work or the jobs being provided are not up to their standards. And it's not, we're not asking for a lot. We're asking for a living wage. We want to live comfortably. Right. You know, we're not trying to make a million dollars. I'm not trying to buy a fucking yacht. Right, no kidding. I'm just trying to, just trying to live modestly. And if that means I have to do a job I hate, well, where do we go from there? <laughs> so this is the song about all of that. Here's Career Opportunities. They offered me the office of a neither shop. They say I'd better take anything they got. Do you wanna make tea at the BBC? Do you wanna be? Do you really wanna be a cop? Career opportunity, the one that never knocked. Every job I offer used to keep you up the dock. Career opportunity, the one that never knocked. I hate the army and I hate.
compare that to the likes of a London Colin and Combat Rock. There's something a little different right there. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a lo-fi production, and that is the point. That is a punk record. You know, Joe's vocals are, are more scratchy. He's keeping a melody, but you can just tell he's like, you know, coming from a place of anger. Yeah, it was, it was a punk record, you know, whereas the, uh, you know, their following albums are debatably punk. We'll say that. <laughs> Definitely punk influence. It's still there, but yeah, but their first album, just cut and dry. Here is punk rock. This is what the 77 explosion is all about. Speaking of explosions... Let's talk about rioting. Right. (laughs) Particularly, White Riot. This was their debut single. This is the the first release ever from The Clash, and it happens to be my favorite song. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) And it is simple, short, fast punk rock, and with lyrics about class economics and race, how they play into each other. And it was written after uh, Joe and Paul were involved in the riots at the Notting Hill Carnival of 1976. And some people thought that it was a song advocating for a race war. (laughs) It's like, I know how it sounds on the surface, but Joe responded saying that inner city black youth was at the time fighting back against poverty and heavy handed policing and called upon the and it called upon the white youth to do the same. A riot of my own. Right. That's, what, that's what it says in the chorus. A white riot, I want a riot. White riot, a riot of my own. Basically saying like a classism, it knows no race. It affects everybody equally. It does. So yeah, the song is incredibly short, but the explanation behind its existence is incredibly long. So before I go any further, let's actually listen to the song. <laughs> It's just that simple. 
It's on par with the uh, simplicity of your average Beatles song before they got all weird and white album-y. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's uh, the intensity is still is a lot more uh, turned up, as well as the tempo. It's got a very similar uh, guitar pattern to that of Blitzkrieg Bop. It's just a little more choppy. Whereas uh, Blitzkrieg Bop and the Ramones in general was more like flowing beats, just like the alternating... That alternating picking sound, like a da 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 Whereas this one, it was just damn, 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 damn. Yeah, it's given. It's just really entailing that sense of urgency. It's like, no, it's not as laid back as you think. We're actually kind of pissed off. To backtrack to what I was saying about this song being a allegedly being conceived as an act for race war, Joe Strummer put it best in this quote right here. The only thing we're saying about the blacks is that they've got their problems and they're prepared to deal with them. But white men, they just ain't prepared to deal with them. Everything's too cozy. They've got stereos, drugs, hi-fis, cars. The poor blacks and poor whites are in the same boat. So there you go. <laughs> like I said, poverty knows no, uh, knows no race. It just knows the, it just knows the size of your bank account. <laughs> right. How thick your wallet is. Afterwards, they... Uh, <clears throat> they would play the uh, Rock Against Racism Festival in April of 78, and they closed their set with that, accompanied by none other than Jimmy Percy from Sham 69. Nice. So, yeah, that was a pretty great, pretty great moment. They, they would play Rock Against Racism uh, quite a few times. Anyway, after that, they went on to record uh, Give Them Enough Rope in 1978 with a cleaner sound to sort of boost the, cha- the chance of reaching American audiences. While they weren't too fervent in recording the record, it did well in sales and bolstered classics like Tommy Gun and English Civil War. And then, well, as sort of a precursor to, a, to London Colin, they recorded the Cost of Living EP, and it housed their recognizable cover of the Crickets, I Fought the Law. Nice. Yep. Again, another song that I thought was by The Clash, but upon further analysis, oh, Nope, it's a cover of another uh, 50s rock band. <laughs> so many people have covered that track. Oh, yeah. And it's and why not? It's catchy as hell. Mm-hmm. I fought the law and the, the law won. Even Dead Kennedys covered it and uh, uh, replaced the lyrics with, uh, well, replaced one of the lyrics with, I fought the law and I won. Yep. <laughs> yeah, also a great cover, albeit, yeah. albeit so different. <laughs> anyway, that's where I'm going to leave the... Act one of Joe Strummer history. <laughs> and act two is not that long because we have a long interview ahead of us. Uh, awesome band. Love the band One Fall. We talked with Helen, it was almost a year ago, about her other band, Tijuana Sweetheart, who was going to be doing their show, their reunion slash potentially last show last January. Got moved to May. It happened. Uh, we had... Helen and Lorec on the, that show, and Helen has since, as you will hear in the interview momentarily, uh, is now in a new band. The band is One Fall. They are from Salem in Massachusetts. On November 3rd, they released a self-titled EP, One Fall. There's three tracks. We're going to play two of them here, one now, one after the interview. Uh, Phil also joins us on the interview. Uh, awesome. It was a lot of fun. Eric gave you an idea of what we're going to get into here. And we're going to play the track, followed by an interview, followed by another track. And then Eric is going to wrap up the show for us with some more Joe Strummer. 
So first track we're going to play from One Fall Off One Fall is Slingshot. Helen from One Fall. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for having us. This is awesome. And likewise, thank you for setting aside the time to talk to us, a little uh, Salt Lake bumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Can I tell you a little secret? When uh, Helen was talking about doing this, she said, "Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where they're based." And I, I, I listened to the name, and I was like, "I'm assuming Salt Lake," but you never know. <laughs> That's a good assumption. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. I just never, you know, being out here, we don't see the SLC as like a common, you know what I mean? But Phil was like, Phil from stupid England was like, uh, you're dumb. It's probably (laughs) (laughs) bloody Americans in their geography. The show was picked. I I had to pick something. We had to call it something so people could look for it. And when I was picking the name of the show, I thought, well, SLC Punk. I like the movie. It's based obviously in Salt Lake. We're in Salt Lake. Let's make a play on words. So yes, it is 
based after the movie, but because we live in Salt Lake. So, yes, it is Salt Lake. <laughs> yes, I was right. I've been wondering all these weeks. I was totally right. We're not a podcast. We're a punk cast. There you go. There you go. Speaking of names, then, where'd you guys come up with the name One Fall? That is not geographically descriptive like SLC Punkcast. That is true. Um, it is a professional wrestling reference, which Phil can explain. Yeah. So uh, uh, Caleb and I, uh, Caleb is our drummer. Uh, he and I are uh, what they call stands, which are uh, very big wrestling fans. And actually for years and years, we've been uh, saying that, oh, we want a wrestling themed band. You know, we could be called we could be called this and have every single song be, you know, named after a move or something, something like that, which is a, a pretty silly idea for a band. You know, it's more of a joke than anything. <laughs> but then when we were, you know, decided to form this band and we were coming up with a name, I figured some of the some of the terms weren't all that bad. But I but I didn't want anything that was so overtly uh, wrestling r- related, uh, you know, because I mean, wrestling is is inherently violent and i don't think we're a we're a violent band so i didn't want anything that was too (laughs) tough guy or anything like that so we were throwing out all these terms Uh, i think that was it was via text throwing out all these terms and one fall just seemed to be the one that stuck so one fall is a uh it's a type of match so it's a i would say a regular wrestling match a fall refers to a pin basically okay so one pin wins the match so oftentimes announcers will say before a wrestling match, this match is scheduled for one fall. And um, I saw that nobody else had taken the name. So I thought, brilliant. Let's go with that. <laughs> they got me into wrestling because I'd never watched it and I did not think I would like it. And then I'd been like a little intrigued. And then these guys would like be like, oh, we can't practice Friday nights because we eat wings and watch wrestling. And I was like, <laughs> I'll watch wrestling. What's the deal? And they were like, Oh, you gotta watch it. It's really good. You're gonna like it. I was like, Oh, and immediately they got me. Um, Did you say the word is stand? Like S T A N? S T A N, yeah. Uh, Well, actually, no, wait, no, that's the wrong wrong term. It's mark. Mark is the term. Wrestling marks. Oh, I'm a terrible mark, apparently. I couldn't even get the word right. (laughs) I might not know where Salt Lake. All their cool <laughs> acronyms, but <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I wanted the name just to be a slight reference, but I don't believe, unless there's something I'm completely misinterpreting about Helen's lyrics, I believe none of our songs are actually about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, there are a few out here. Every time we see a band with like a wrestling, possibly wrestling related name we're like hey what's up and they're like hey what's up (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome you know what the song titles slingshot and shoot straight i mean you might be a little bit of a stretch to get there but those could be like themes that that might fit there i i you know rats abandoned ship that one i I can't figure out how to make that one work but uh (laughs) the other ones you might be able to you know, well, I that is a bit of a stretch if you think about it. <laughs> Ring rats, right, Phil? That's like basically like groupies of wrestling. Right, right. Yep, 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 yep. They're rats. It's uh, they're all now they're they're all kind of tangentially related. There we go. We did it, and I didn't even realize. 
<laughs> Once you peel back the layer, though, and then listen to the lyrics, I mean, as you stated, it's uh, unless there's a lot of depth, you know, metaphors and such, uh, I don't think that is specifically really wrestling related. <laughs> I don't feel passionately enough yet. Yet. To fully scream lyrics, but <laughs> possible. We're working on it. In One Falls uh, Part 2 or Part 3 uh, at some point, maybe, right? You're going to go yeah. for an, an all-wrestling-themed, lyrics-included EP. I definitely have <laughs> like, friends who are associated with some wrestling outfits, and I was like, who needs walkout music? I will write them a song, so never know. And any, uh, if you're going for a topical format, uh, an accompanying music videos should just be people dressed up in all-wrestling garb. And like a, you know, each verse, each chorus, there's like a different uh, match going on until like the very end. It just erupts in a whole wrestling brawl, sort of like a <laughs> WrestleMania mosh pit. Oh I man! Are we are we allowed to actually steal that idea? You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sweet. Absolutely. We're notorious during our interviews for coming up for ideas for album covers, music videos, you you name it, uh, and feel free to take any of it. Oh man, awesome. <laughs> We're like all the time. We're like, I can't think of any cool songs. Let's just pop on SLC Punkcast and see what we got. <laughs> if you need anybody, I have a luchador costume. I, I was a luchador for Halloween a few years back, and I actually have, I ordered from Columbia legitimate luchador pants. I mean, the mask is one of those ones you can probably buy at any costume shop, but the pants, right, right, right. they the are pants? legit. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, this is a great idea, unless I have to be a wrestler in the video, because the idea of uh, filming me in my underwear, basically, is, is a nightmare. Well, you can be the referee. We need referees. You need corner I can absolutely do that. <laughs> you know, you need yeah. a, your Bobby the Brain Heenan, your, uh, what, what, what's the, the heart guy with the, that always wore the glasses and had the long oh, hair? Oh, Jimmy Hart? There we go. Yes. See? Yeah. You need those guys there as well, and they weren't in their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> those rats, man, they don't see a lot of stuff. I don't know how these wrestlers are getting away with so much. They're bringing out chairs and stuff. It just doesn't seem like the refs are that good. <laughs> it's terrible. They go down with the slightest touch. Just, you just barely graze them and they flop on the ground. It's awful. That does sort of seem like what would happen to you, Phil. Me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably faint before I even got in the ring. You seem destined for that part of the music video then. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we do. We have a lot of, I mean... Lauren from my old band was in the Boston League of Women Wrestlers. And we, my old band used to play with that. We would like open for them at shows a lot. And they were amazing. So we definitely do have good wrestler connections. This is Absolutely. not this is like a pretty solid idea. It sure does. I, 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 I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this video that's uh, in the beginning stages. But at whatever point you put it out... I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> we did actually just shoot uh, our first video last month, and it should be out pretty soon. We shot a video for Rats Abandoned Ship with um, Josh Hand, uh, who's awesome, like just amazing talent. We shot it in Lauren and Troy's basement, Troy from Bricks and Mortar and Reason of the Night, and Lauren from the downtown. And we were like, your basement looks like a soundstage. Can we shoot a video in there? 
<laughs> um, and uh, so it's pretty straightforward. It's really just us playing the song. Um, but you know, next one we'll step it up. That step was our one. Well, how did the band come together? You know, you're talking about bands, you're talking about your previous band. Uh, you know, we have the two of you here. We're, we're missing two members of the band. Uh, how did the four of you come together? Caleb and Phil and I played in various bands together over the years. Caleb and Phil used to play in the band Giant Target. I used to play in the band The Giant, which was later called Tijuana Sweetheart. Um, and then Caleb also was the drummer in Razors of Night for a while. And so we all kind of crossed paths. Those two guys are like super tight buds. They always played together. And we always kind of like had like musical crushes on each other. Like, oh, we should do something. <laughs> And then um, Caleb moved to California many years ago and has been there until the end of last year when he came back and uh, Phil hit me up and he's like, we should, you know, we should throw a little party for Caleb. He's coming back. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then instantly totally focused on myself was like, um, do you think he's doing any projects? Maybe he could drum for me and something. And Phil was like, nice try. He's going to drum for me and my cool melodic punk band and i was like wow i want to do a melodic punk band and then we started talking about our influences and we were like oh we, this is we should definitely just do this together this like we want to do the exact same thing um and then my friend joe who is just an amazing bass player he's in uh los bungalitos which is like one of my favorite hardcore bands and uh the big sway uh and he was like oh i'm kind of looking for projects i don't know what's up and we were like well you're the only so it's like, like, fourth grade, like yes or no check this box and we just kept pushing the paper at him please please play with us and um we haven't converted him to a wrestling fan yet but um he's a bass player so it's been really fun is that fair did i miss anything phil no no i think that absolutely covered it it was it was funny because um you know for me i, I I've, I've done small bands here and there uh between uh so giant target uh like uh, Helen was saying, we broke up about 10, 10 years ago. Actually, uh, Giant Target played Tijuana Sweetheart's last, what did you call it? The Last Blast or what was the, what was the name of that? Yeah. yeah, it was their farewell show. Not knowing that that was actually going to be our last show as well. We broke up so shortly after that, sort of abruptly. So uh, ended up both being the same farewell show, basically, for both of us. And uh, I, I've done, you know, little bits on and off here and then in the last 10 years. But, um, yeah, all of a sudden this this whole group just sort of very quickly fell together. And uh, when we started writing music, it just sort of fell out of us so easily because we do all have sort of the same, you know, influences and we have a sort of clear direction that we want to go in. So it all came together just so quickly and very quickly we realized, wow, this is, uh, I think this might have some legs. So here we are. Right now you got the EP out. What's in the, the future, in the near future, shows? What, what's one fall up to? Thanks. We just had our first show at Faces. It was awesome. We were lucky enough to, you know, have like a ton of our friends came out, people who were kind of interested in seeing what we were, our deal was. And um, it was just an absolutely fantastic first show. And I think once, you know, I, I really haven't played much other than the reunion show and like, a long time and so it was i really had to like kind of shake off the show jitters and then as soon as like that show was done i was like okay cool we're going now now we're actually <laughs> do this 
So we have um, another show coming up uh, in Cambridge on the 20th of January, uh, Cambridge Mass at the Middle East Upstairs. Um, we're going to be playing with a ska band called Pink Slip, who's awesome. And we'll be supporting Carissa Johnson. She's amazing. She has a folk band now. She's great. And then our uh, one of our favorite local bands, probably my favorite local band, Go the Humanity is headlining. They're awesome. You should talk to those guys. Check them out. Absolutely. Um, um, and so we're super psyched about that. And then we're going to be, uh, we've got this video coming out. Um, we're writing a bunch of stuff. So we'll, we're planning to record the full length in the late spring, probably early summer, and hope to have it out, you know, by the full length. And we've got like a bunch of cool shows and secret things happening, like for live performance stuff that we'll tell you about when we're live too. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of going now. So on that note, when it, when the time's right, everybody knows, especially if they listen to us, there's always those things that there's the right timing or you have to hold off, whatever, on releasing certain information. So where can people, where's the best places to follow you for when you do release that information? Um, I, Our Instagram is one fall meh. <laughs> one fall meh. <laughs> you can track us down. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. It's the same. One fall back. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, yeah, Bandcamp, Spotify. You can both. It's all, all. Just follow us all over the place because I'm terrible at social media, and boys have to constantly pop in. And just, oh, we should probably mention that we're playing a show at some point. So keeping it going. Yeah, people are going to be able to see you. You have to mention, I suppose, when and where those <laughs> might be. Between that, that's the plans for uh, the next six to nine months-ish, it sounds like. And then uh, on top of that, or in the mix, right, some wrestling music video of some sort to go along with this <laughs> yet-to-be-written or conceived uh, wrestling song, right? Wrestling theme song. Yeah. <laughs> or just whatever. Any song should probably work, you right. know? Like, I mean, I feel like Slingshot has a lot of imagery that you could like use the right the, right slingshot them across the ring i think that's even a saying a wrestling move right there's yeah, I, gotta be yeah 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 yeah. i oh, believe it is i know there's i know there's a sling blade for sure so maybe we'll have to write slingshot two colon sling blade <laughs> right yeah cool song name it's exactly the same song but instead of saying slingshot i say sling blade <laughs> and it doesn't rhyme anymore yeah, we're psyched to, to record. We recorded the the EP in my basement, surprisingly. <laughs> we actually didn't right. really intend to release it initially. The idea was like, oh, well, we'll just do like a quick, like, just record three songs, a little like demo, and that we send it to our friends and be like, hey, this is what we sound like. Can we open for your band? And uh, we recorded it with Kyle Parody, who is an awesome engineer who usually works at New Alliance in boston and he just made us sound so good that we were like oh shit let's release it let's put it out <laughs> so we put it out as an ep um and we've just been so like honored and excited and delighted by the response like people um have just given us like awesome feedback about how much they like it and how good it sounds and um, it's been so so cool especially after like not putting out new stuff in a long time in my case well fuck yeah that's awesome <laughs> 
those nights when you're like, uh, you're releasing something and you're like, you know, it's not your best material, but still everyone's coming at you like, this is awesome. This is great. <laughs> well, I mean, That's I think it, it's, it sounds pretty sick. Like, I, does. I don't, it might actually be my best material. <laughs> That's great. But it's so cool. I mean, certainly, like, we didn't, like, you never know what the reaction is going to be. And it is sort of like, it's an, like, it's an unusual sound, I think, in certain ways, because, like, you know, it's got me vocals. So it's like, doesn't, there's not a lot of things you can compare exactly, like, like, oh, you guys sound like X band because it's like, well, the instrumentation might sound like something that you've heard, but then you haven't like heard it with like this kind of vocals or whatever. Like, I hope. Um, so, but I, but I also was like, as Phil can attest, I was like super paranoid before we released it. Like, I was just convinced. I was like, people are gonna like all of you guys' music and they're gonna hate my voice and then they're gonna just be a disaster. And, um, because I say in 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 my experience, it's been literally the opposite. I think on a, <laughs> on Helen's Helen's birthday, I gathered all the feedback. Then when I sort of sent the EP to my friends for an early listen, I sent her all the feedback, and the, the number one thing everybody said was like, "Whoa, Helen sounds amazing." <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah, What's what true? a nice band-aid I have to like save <laughs> back for my birthday. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with that. I, I think all around sounds great, and Helen, your vocals do sound great. Oh, thanks so much. That's Absolutely. awesome. Uh, we were excited. I, I was extremely excited when you reached out. I was like, cool, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you. And then I heard the music like, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Let's play this on the <laughs> show, too. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad. We're really happy. Like, we're just having so much fun, and um, we have, like, a lot, you know, the kind of the newer stuff that we've been writing is like a little heavier than what's on the EP, but we're trying to like balance it back out too. You know, like I want to do another heavy one. And then I'm like, no, you write another poppy one. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super heavy, riffy stuff. Oh so. uh, yeah. I know <laughs> that, but that's uh, that's awesome with the uh, influences coming from opposite ends of the spectrum. And the, you meet somewhere in the middle and now you have that thing called balance <laughs> yeah totally because yeah like my most of my songwriting influence is like you know more like hooky hooky punk you know like that's mm. where i come from um even though like my uh, you know our our big crossover bands are like a wilhelm's green and like blood command and things like that but phil mm. has like also a metal background so there is definitely like more of this like cool metal riffage in there that I'm like, I don't know how to write that. And it's so awesome. And <laughs> you have to teach me a little like, Oh, okay. You probably don't want to play with your pinky for this boy. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been great. I've been uh, sort of like teaching Helen some new guitar techniques. And the cool <laughs> thing about that is that I know Helen actually does practice because each week, like I come in, you're like, hey, check what, what I can do now. And I see that, I see that pinky going. I'm, I'm always very proud. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to say that. Talk about influences. Um, uh, you spoke a bit on your uh, musical influences, but what about your, uh, what about lyrical influences? Like, uh, where do those stem from? Oh, that's a good question. I don't really know. Um, I'm definitely like, it's new. I mean, in my old band, Tijuana Sweetheart, it was definitely, like, m mostly, like, it wasn't, like, always 
jokey. That's the wrong word. But I would be like, I'm going to write a song about Karate Kid because I love Karate Kid. And it was like a little bit more like fun and surfacey, even though I do have like a deep passion for Karate Kid. <laughs> but um, this one, I was like, I'm going to try to write sincere lyrics that aren't like jokes. Because <laughs> it's very easy for me to just be like, oh, I'm going to be funny. <laughs> Isn't this cute? <laughs> but, so I was like, I'm going to just try to be really like sincere um, on this one. And it's still, even then, it's like, I still have to, like, I reference Bunyan's like immediately. Like, I still can't be totally, I'm not super good at sincerity. But yeah, I think I'm looking at certainly like other bands whose lyrics I love, you know, like and I'm trying to uh, to think about how, I mean, I do, like I do love a Wilhelm Scream lyrics. I love Strung Out and Strike Anywhere and bands like that, that, that you really want to be like straining to listen and, and like things impact you. Yeah, I understand that. It's sort of like taking a, it's like when I write lyrics, I listen to uh, like the, I guess the uh, phrasing of it all and the just what part is enunciated a lot more, all the accents and just overall what is uh, being said. You know, I really love this segment of their uh, of the lyrics right here. Just the way that they go throughout this verse just sounds so intense. I got to do that with mine. <laughs> I know. I do that with, um, you know, I mentioned the band that, that is headlining our January show, Oath of Humanity. Um, and I love them so much. And the singer, Kevin, has this really great ability to, he'll repeat, you know, it'll be like one line that he repeats like a bunch of times, which is like a common thing in songs. Yeah. And the great thing about that is like, you go see them for the first time. And like, by the end of the song, you're like screaming this lyric yeah. because it's been repeated a bunch of times. But I never remember to do that. And basically every song we write, I'm like, I'm going to do the Kevin thing and say something a bunch of times in this one. And then I'm like, or I'll just write a thousand different lyrics that no one can remember. <laughs> so if you listen, like, Slingshot is like, it's wall to wall. You never stop singing. It doesn't repeat that much. It's like, yes, <laughs> do the thing. But, um, but some of our newer ones, I remember it a little bit more. It's like, okay, it's, a, oh, it's yeah. good to repeat. Oh, I know. Bunch of times in the chorus, for instance. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta have those uh those pop hooks, and nowhere is that more prevalent than in like uh than like some of the heaviest hardcore bands. It's like, yeah, why do you think everybody's uh piling up to get to that mic? It's because everybody wants to be yelling that part. It's the exactly. Hook. <laughs> I want people piled up and shouting something at me. Oh yeah, just. It's definitely part of like in shoot straight that was sort of like i was like i'm just gonna the hook in this is just gonna be whoa woes because i fucking love whoa woes and i was like mm. what if you know what if the that's just the lyric it's just a, a hooky whoa woe for this chorus oh yeah <laughs> i love those i always am like i put so many whoa woes for the the boys like as backing vocals and they've had to be like yeah, this is like where you have us doing woes like into other woes immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the glue yeah, that no. held a lot of uh, skate punk songs together. <laughs> For the reason that you should, you know, call out. Of, like, I just want people like lying on the stage shouting woes passionately. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like the first way how you get audience interaction. Just like, you don't even have to know the words just to come up here and sing something into the microphone. Exactly. Well, especially because I play guitar and sing. So I can't like 
I love a front person who is like unencumbered and can just like come out and like put the mic in your face and like hug you and like oh, yeah. climbing all over you. And I'm like, I can't do any of that. I'm playing guitar. So I, I'm really like, Oh, I hope people, you know, at some point, like know our songs and care to jump up on stage and take over microphones and knock into us and stuff like that. It's like, it's just the greatest feeling in the world. Well, well I'm I'm very glad that the uh, banking vocals are just yeah. woos because for me it's that thing where you know it, what is it tapping your head and rubbing your tummy at the uh, same time. Yeah. For me, trying to play guitar and sing at the same time, oh my god, I just I can't do. I end up singing terribly and playing guitar terribly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trying to sing actual words, oh god, no, it wouldn't happen. But woos, I can, I can do. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that I can't play with my pinky that well. Like it's so hard <laughs> to do both of those things. Every time I'm writing a song, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do both of these things at the same time. How will I ever- <laughs> hey, it could be worse. You could be, you could be playing drums and singing at the same time. So, oh God. I, even playing drums at all. Like just. Seems- <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. I've, I've played enough drums to uh, embarrass myself. It's like the legs doing something different than the arms. And then if oh. you throw vocals on top of that, then I'm a, I am a lost cause on that. That is just not going to happen with me. Crazy. And Caleb's our drummer is so good. And it's like one of the things that I was like the most excited about playing a show for was just I want to be like, eh, look at this. I'm right. Well, oh. this guy. But he, he can sing a little bit. He's always, please don't make me sing too much because I am really focusing on this. But I'm like, but I like your beautiful vocals and do both. <laughs> I was like, yes, I got a good singing voice. Just don't don't have me do it for more than 10 seconds. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm always like, totally, totally, totally. But yes, you're definitely going to have to sing. <laughs> going to have to do it. So, sorry, Caleb. That's if awesome. I'm doing it, then he has to do it as well. Those are the rules. This is my point. I'm always like, guys, I have to sing the whole time. <laughs> I keep being in bands where I play guitar and sing, but I can't, like, I I feel naked without a guitar on the stage. Like, I don't know how anyone does that thing. And it's so, <laughs> yeah. but I require the safety of the guitar. You know, I've mm-hmm. I've been on stage once without a guitar. And the thing I quickly realized is, what do I do with my hands? I was so aware of my left hand. I just like, do it. Where, where does it go? Like, do you just hold it down? Well, like, I, I just didn't really didn't know what to do. It's, it's really strange sensation. It needs to be holding an instrument is what it needs to do. Jazz <laughs> hands. That's what you do. <laughs> Back up Ty Healy in in Petty Morals for a while and like oh man I was like I never I love backing Ty because she's such an awesome singer and I like singing harmonies and stuff but like man you just feel like an idiot as like one backup singer on stage because you can't really like do dance moves because there's nobody with you and also like most of the time you're not singing so you're just kind of up there being like "Mm, step back and forth for a while is that cool pretty weird I've done I've done my share of uh, crazy antics on stage with the uh, I've played in a lot of hardcore bands and I've always been playing bass and I will and like during a breakdown part of a last song I'm like no you're I'm just gonna let a tone ring out you're not gonna hear the bass anyway just as long as you feel it and I'm just gonna start thrashing into all you people <laughs> and I've done that and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you should play with us. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll play with I'll play with most any band, but now that you've requested it, I will do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, come on out here and we'll come out there. We are hoping to do a little bit, maybe some little excursions next year and then maybe tour a bunch the year after. I think that's kind of the ambition, but we'll definitely do some like weekenders and maybe a, you know a week or so. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. when everybody We're we're trying to dedicate our time to the recording the full length next year, but I'm yeah. like, I'm really going to like go some places and see some people and just like oh, meet yeah. bands and meet people and see what the best food is like in Salt Lake City. What's your best food? We have a few different uh, eateries right here. If you're a, uh, uh, if you prefer uh, vegan food, then we have our, uh, uh, the Mark of the Bistro, which is on, uh, on State Street and 666 South. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Oh yeah, it is. It is awesome. Like I know my fr- my friends opened it up in uh, yeah. What was it like? 2016, 2017, so. yeah. somewhere around there. Uh, one of my friends he wanted to open up a venue, like an, a little underground venue, and the other one wanted to open up a a vegan restaurant. So it's like, well, let's put the two together. So they bought this space. Uh-huh. It used to be a it used to be a bar, uh, which also it was it was a bar venue. And it was just a vacant lot at that point. So it's like, all right, we're taking this. <laughs> and it's been going hard ever since. And uh, me, I'm personally, I'm not vegan, but I will eat vegan food. And if it's coming from uh, the bistro, that's what I, that's like a top tier <laughs> vegan eatery right there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, that yeah. sounds great. We'll Wait. be there. Oh, we're yeah. looking forward to it. Dude, great place to play too. So the venue is actually called The Beehive. So it's like, oh, okay. yeah, the venue is the Beehive, the restaurant is the Bistro, but it's the same place. <laughs> I'm going to follow it and be like, hey, can we play there? When? <laughs> hey, don't do it. Work, work backwards from that. It seems to be like our sort of technique is just like start with a big ask and then work backwards from it. So like <laughs> Bill, the other, we had like the craziest thing happen literally yesterday where Bill and I had been talking in an interview about how much we love Blood Command and how we would love to open for them. But it's like huge pipe dream. And then Phil was like, well, I'm going to post about that and just tag Blood Command in it. And then they hit me up and they were like, well, yeah, what's your deal? Do you want to open for us? And we were like, yeah. And <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, do it. Let's do it. And we were like, Blood Command, just, you're awesome. What's going on? <laughs> just try, you know, Troy from... Razor has always said, it's always a no unless you ask. So that's kind of been our motto recently. So I'm just going to hit up the it, Weirdly, it seems to be working as well. I, I just can't believe how receptive people are if you just say, please. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll actually listen. It's crazy. We like you. Can we play with you? They're like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Great. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it took more effort than that. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. What do you think we're doing at our off time? You know, sitting in, a, yeah. sitting in a big, big auction rooms and like trying to buy our next Shark Tank or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I thought they were doing. <laughs> I've been looking around at Shark Tanks myself. <laughs> I'll say though, if you're doing a good job and you're making good music and you're probably not an asshole, you know, kind of those things, it's probably a really easy yes for people like that when you ask. Yeah, that stuff seems to help a little bit for sure. Like, and uh, I mean, I, 
we are like just super humbled, like I said, by like the response that we've gotten from the EP and like people that, that I'm like, oh my God, who said what? Like, I love them. I can't believe they're listening to this. Like, it's crazy. So um, it's, it's super nice. And I, I think because of the, the bands that we've all been in, we do have like, you know, we have different connections and, and we have like built some trust with like, at least the local community is kind of like, Oh, this is probably not going to be like a total disaster. Cause we know these people from these bands and like, let's see what happens when they come together. So it's, yeah, it's just been awesome. We're so happy to be like playing. We've only been, you know, we just started playing out like not even a year ago or playing together, not even a year ago. And Joe only joined up over like this, spring so or summer so it's great to really be going and to see what happens next i try to be like i i have a thing and i kind of i like the the dudes are also like this of like i i really try to be a good audience member when i go to shows i care a lot about like local music and this you know this genre that we're playing like melodic punk melodic hardcore that that whole scene like i just care a lot about it and i'm very i like love every band that i like even a little bit so I tend to be like, right, I like to be right up front, right in the middle and mm-hmm. singing songs passionately to the bands. I think we are benefiting a little bit from bands being like, oh, Jesus, that girl's band, she always comes to our shit. We should probably listen <laughs> <laughs> to it. Like, no, okay, we know some of your songs too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that legwork, Helen, because uh, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've I've done that in the past and then I'll try and talk to the band afterwards and they'll be like, yeah, what, who? Uh, <laughs> all right, whatever. <laughs> but Helen is so enthusiastic, they can't help but be like, okay, let's interact. I like to startle bands that I don't know by just like calmly being up front and then just being like, I know every word of every song. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. crazy never met before. You know, maybe you should have some like a little uh, uh, crowd moles who are, are your hype people dressed up in the rustling masks just to get yes. people <laughs> moving. <laughs> your hype men. Are you going to mention Ryan? Yeah, we did yeah, have somebody fine. at the last show who had a, uh, you know how, especially in the in the 2000s, everybody in the crowd at a wrestling show had a sign. Like it showed the crowd and it was just old people holding signs. We did have somebody in the crowd at this last show have a sign and i was i couldn't believe it but it was it was great yeah it made me feel at home yeah the guy who booked the show who's so awesome um this venue faces brewing in um malden and the guy who's booking it uh ryan is just he's just getting like amazing fans out there and like every week i'm like wow this is crazy and um, yeah, he had, apparently had like pre-made a little one fall sign because he like liked us and liked the EP. And it was such a cool, weird, surprising thing to see people like holding a sign. Up. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a first. Okay, I love it. Well, I knew, I knew at least that he got the wrestling reference. <laughs> one of those things, if you know, you know. If not, it's just some emo name. Yeah, it does sound a little bit emo. You don't know. You come to Salt Lake and, and do a show, I'll wear my luchador costume oh. to the show. Yes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as a promise. Yeah, I oh, promise. I'm going to let you forget that one. I still have the pants and the mask and all of that. I might have a hard time getting the hair inside the mask, but I'll, I'll, I'll work it out. <laughs> Would we consider branded masks? 
Yeah, you, I, I think you should. That's a, I think you're onto something there, right? Now, there is a, a band in the Boston area called Jobber who wears like a like luchador masks on stage and they play punk. So I don't want to encroach too far onto their territory, but I also did just think of it. And they're not. <laughs> well, the, the, the audience will be wearing the mask, right? Not not us. I mean, I don't mind like, wearing a mask. Totally different. Totally yeah. different. Completely different. That's a WWE Slipknot style. <laughs> <laughs> we are AEW. I don't know what else Bill and Caleb watch. They probably watch multiple things, but I only watch AEW. Uh, we're, we're, these days, it's AEW and uh, the local indies, which is yeah. uh, b- beyond wrestling. Is the uh, the territory up here? Is that's what we mainly watch? Is that what the fest show was, or was that even more local? That was, I think, even more local. I think that was just specific to fest. Uh, so I don't think that's a regular thing. I just think it happens at every fest. Yeah, the 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 local uh, thing up here is in Boston is called uh, Beyond Wrestling, and it is fantastic. If anyone's listening in Boston, go see Beyond Wrestling. It's wonderful. Awesome. And anybody needs walkout music, we will. Yes, and it. if you need walkout music, we will provide it free of charge. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Maybe. Don't call me. Don't call me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> It'll help provide material for the LP. There we go. Perfect. Yes. Exactly. Need to flesh it up. <laughs> it's a great way to early release a single, right? Yeah. Exactly. True. True. <laughs> And you can video, and then the match, if they allow it, you know, that could be like a music video. So the walkout will be the start, and then maybe some clips edited together of the actual match of the person that used it could kind of be the, the music video for it. This is a very good idea. Well, we I'm going to only do this, though, if we write like a ballad, and it's like really sincere and sad and slow and like acoustic-y. And then we're like, and then that's the video. It's just like <laughs> yeah. some, bo- some boring ass song. Some <laughs> <laughs> idiot song. I'll just poop one out just for a joke video. <laughs> what else do we need to know about the band? We, we know where to find you. We know what you're up to. We got to wait on a few things as far as uh, information that you can release as they come up. Uh, definitely will be on the lookout for uh, the activity over the summer. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't covered uh, about the, the new band that's been conceived less than a year ago? We do have, we have some merch up. If you're if you listen and you like us and whatever, you can help uh, fund our, our band travels. It's real expensive to rent a van. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we should be up on band camp by the time, this comes up maybe or soon after. No, it's going to be out by the time. Yes. We're putting the, cl- the clock has been turned on, the, the countdown timer. <laughs> we, we, have, we have the merch in hand. It's just we've got to figure out the logistics of getting it to, to you, you know? Right. It's really just you, like, the audience. like on Bandcamp, but I'm already like, oh, it sounds so hard. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> True. Um, and yeah, I'd say just like if, Follow us on something so that we can stay in touch with you. And if there's like somewhere you want us to play or some a band that you think we should know, you know, like this is it's the early part of our career and we want to just like meet everybody and get to know people and see what people like and hear from everybody. So that's right. Get in get in now before we become old crotchety jerks. <laughs> <laughs> too good for you. <laughs> yes. 
do that. <laughs> Bring him one of those uh, arm. I promise boxes. that won't happen. It'll never happen. Famous last words. <laughs> We're already old. We just haven't gotten crotchety yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like aggressively cheerful. That's my whole brand. So. <laughs> we need more old people like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to be such a handful. I'm going to be hitting on like every 30 year old dude when I'm like 90, just being like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Look like you need a sugar mama, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you like? old hardcore from the 2000s <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about the breakdown evolution <laughs> just for the record i will not be hitting on 30 year old dudes when i'm 90 thank you, you for the clarification <laughs> no you'll be hitting on 40 year old dudes I mean, when I mean, you're 90 <laughs> well we'll see we'll see when i get there if if i get there A man can change you this know you don't know what might happen yeah, I might be one of those that just hits on anything. It doesn't matter what. <laughs> yeah, maybe by then 40 will be the new 20. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, we're already getting there, right? I'm well into the 40s, and I feel like I can totally hit on 20-year-olds, right? Is that... <laughs> I'm not going to, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> It's like shooting fish in a barrel. They're all porch cats. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's like I can buy them their fancy lattes and avocado toast or whatever. And <laughs> no, I can't hit on any twenty-year-old. Oh God! In 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 fifty years, they're going to be like avocado toast. <laughs> you still- old old lady. That's what my that's my that's what my granddad eats. It's already like my my very cool partner is younger and much hipper than me, and it already is like like I'll make an avocado toast joke. And he's like, "Are you seriously making a millennial joke? Like what?" Oh, <laughs> you know, we have like student debt and like uh, the housing crisis and stuff. <laughs> it's like it's not our fault. Most millennials are hipsters on their little hipster diet. No, I've never actually had avocado toast, but I'm pretty sure it's just avocados and toast, right? Yeah. I think right. so. I, I, I know what both of those taste like. It's great. Yeah, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's fine. I shouldn't have referenced. It's such a bad punchline because it's such a stereotypical like <laughs> bank to reference. Just like aging myself up unnecessarily, but here we are. Oh, actually, actually, speaking of old people and food, I did have my first ever root beer float last night. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'd never had one in my life, and it's pretty good. That's all right. Yes, I am. Yeah, it was it was it was quite good. I do find weirdly that ice cream, my ice cream flavor preference has really dramatically aged up in the past like decade. Where like now suddenly all the old people flavors are my favorites or sound good. So like now I'm like, ooh, maple walnut, black raspberry, what? Those sound great. Rum raisin, perhaps? Rum raisin is the one where I have not yet ordered it. I've never had it. But it sounds suddenly very <laughs> Oh, naughty. Raisin. <laughs> An ice cream treat. This is fun. So I don't know what happens where it just at some point you get old taste for ice cream. Right. Like, oh. Such a cookie dough, too much going on. I can't handle too much sugar. 
for these old bones. <laughs> I just want flavored ice cream, please. <laughs> Rum raisin, I can understand why that's an old person flavor, but but maple walnut. I mean, everybody loves maple stuff, right? Not kids. Kids aren't going to eat maple walnuts. What? Oh, They'll eat maple, on. just not the nuts. <laughs> just not the nuts. Just tell them it's maple peanut and it'll be fine. (laughs) The kids can do it. My kid only eats vanilla, so I don't... (laughs) I'm good with vanilla, thank you. (laughs) So he's the oldest one of all. (laughs) He really is. (laughs) It was a blast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I look forward to the, the next release, but immediate release, or at least more immediate anyway, music video is coming soon. Very, yeah. Very soon. So that's what we'll look for next. Possibly the next music video is a wrestling-themed music video. We'll look forward to that one as well. Possibly. <laughs> no, but I like the idea. Yes, no, no, no promises, but we'll, we'll keep that one in the bank pocket. Yes. Proceed <laughs> with my blessing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, gang. If we use it, we'll credit you somehow. <laughs> you let us know, and uh, Eric will dress up in a, a wrestling costume, and you can use a, like a quick still shot like at the end, you know, when you put like the credits, but not like you don't want to yeah. imply that he was whoever you're doing the credits for, but you can just like do a quick still shot of him in a wrestling outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can cool bass move that he was talking about. We'll be like, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> 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 just be wearing the... Just be wearing the mask, the cape, and just have my bass out front, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. Like, he's someone's bass player, so we featured him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will be following you to keep up with you, and definitely if you ever plan to come out here, or if either of us are able to get your direction, we will definitely reach out. That way we can see you guys play here in hopefully the next... You know, uh, your next nine months by the time that LP comes out. We would love that. That would be so awesome. That sounds fantastic. Oh, yes. We got to keep everybody in the loop with you guys now. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Thank you. We just started, and now we're bound by a personal contract. Right? (laughs) That's how we do it. Just put you down until you're committed. And committed we are. That we are. All right, Phil. All right, Helen. Thank you for joining, and uh, we look forward to the next time. Next time. Thank you. Within the next year. Thank you so much. Much appreciated.
from those guys. <laughs> right? Man, does Helen have a great voice? Yeah, she certainly does. And in that scope of like a uh, skate punk inspired uh, music, it's, it does call for some like uh, vibrant melodic vocals. Right. And she, and she definitely works both of, those, both of those ends very well. Yes, she does. Uh, that was Rats Abandoned Ship. Again, the first one was Slingshot. The album, or EP rather, is just self-titled at One Fall. Looking forward to more, as they said in the interview. And we're looking forward to a wrestling music video. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for them to come out of Salt Lake City and so many other great things. It was a fantastic interview. We want to thank Helen and Phil again. And definitely looking forward to more from the band One Fall. Eric, we have a show to wrap up. And we still have a little bit more of uh, Joe Strummer to go. Yep, just a little bit of Joe Strummer. So, so yeah, let's uh, finish off with what uh, what else I had in my in my little notes in this little uh, history lesson of uh, Mr. Strummer. So, so yeah, let's pick up from uh, in the wake of the Clash's breakup. Uh, Joe released a couple of uh, studio albums in '86 and '87, those being uh, Walker and Earthquake Weather. And he went to uh, he worked a series of uh, odd jobs in the entertainment industry. <laughs> he actually uh, dabbled in film, playing uh, bit roles in small features. He also helped uh, in compose- composing soundtracks. Awesome. And he also collaborated with Jones in his uh, you know Big Audio Dynamite. And he also filled in for the Pogues guitarist Philip Chevron on their 87 and 88 tour. Awesome. Yeah, learning all their songs in one day, of course. <laughs> That's how much of a master class Mr. Strummer is. Right. <clears throat> and on top of that, he uh, helmed the producer's chair for their 1990 album, Hell's Ditch. And he produced, other, uh, he produced records for other artists. So he became, and he became sort of a session musician, uh, <laughs> appearing as guest musician, a guest musician in other bands' songs. Awesome. And, yeah, it wasn't until uh, 99 where he uh, founded his uh, final band, the Mescaleros. That was a weird way of pronouncing that. That was a slip <laughs> of the tongue. Mescaleros. 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 <laughs> Whatever the, f- however in the fuck you pronounce it. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know all the little enunciations and what vowels you're supposed to accent in certain words. But what I do know is that... In that time of him uh, writing music for his band, he covered the song Redemption Song by Bob Marley. And there is a version out there that exists. There's a version out there that is a duet between him and Johnny Cash. This was a bit of a, this was a bit of a, uh, it was unplanned. You know, this wasn't the label heads getting together like, uh, let's just take John Johnny Cash and Joe Strummer, and let's just have them do this uh, really great song together. No, this isn't a this isn't an unheard of thing. Two musical icons uh, collaborating on a song together, but it's planned. Right? You know, it's just someone trying to uh, doing it for promotion and just trying to get, you know, trying to boost a single or whatever. It's just uh, you know, collaboration songs. They either some of them are pretty good. But most of them either are forgotten about or just ridiculed for how horrible they are. <laughs> and, yeah, that's because they're not in it for artistic endeavors. They're in it for the money. Right. This is the opposite of that. And how the story goes, uh, Strummer was on vacation in L.A., and he frequently visited the studio in which Johnny was, perfor- 
was recording his final album, American 4, The Man Comes Around, with Rick Rubin. Awesome. So, yeah, that was a, uh, you know, cl- Joe Strummer, he was a huge Johnny Cash fan, so, of course, he wanted to take it upon himself to view the man in action. It's like, yeah. So he sat in on a lot of recordings, and they got pretty... Uh, they got pretty close. They were always talking, and they bonded over their they bonded over their uh, mutual love and affection for all different types of music, awesome. and also just the love for Jamaica. And Cash actually owned land out in Jamaica, and they were talking about their expansive list of musical exports. And all the while, Ruben is just sort of a uh, just kind of drooling over the fact that two musical icons are sitting in his studio just talking about music that they love, and he couldn't exactly shake the prospect of having those two legends record together, and he suggested that they celebrate their uh, mutual love of Jamaican music with playing a song. So they were like, yeah, you know what? We really love uh, Redemption Song by Bob Marley. So let's uh, go ahead and re- record that. And they recorded multiple takes of the song and <clears throat> multiple takes of the song individually. So like Joe Strummer, he actually has his own version where it's just him singing. And that was on the, uh, the Streetcore album by the right. Mesa <laughs> <laughs> and the And yeah, the duet recording was officially released in uh, Cash's Unearthed box set, which was released a few years later. And Cash would, you know, famously pass away not even a year after this song was recorded. Joe Strummer, he passed away only two months after afterwards. Wow. So, yeah, talk about capturing lightning in a bottle. Right. <laughs> you know, and like I said, this wasn't planned. You know, Joe Strummer just happened to be where Johnny Cash was at the time, and they just they were just sort of uh, hanging out, just sort of bonding, and Rick Robin just suggested, hey, you know what, why don't you uh, pl- guys play a song together as sort of like a celebration? I think it'd go well on this album. And they're like, yes, Rick, capital idea. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know, we both love uh, Bob Marley, so let's just get into it with, uh, with Redemption Song. The reason for choosing that was that it was written out of uh, Marley... Uh, preaching against discrimination of black people and that in order for a chance of recourse, it would be for us as individuals to change our minds. Now, we all know that Joe Strummer was, <laughs> was the uh, leading, <clears throat> leading spokesman throughout the years of expressing equality among, among class, among race, among religion, all over the world. Right. And Johnny Cash, of course, he saw the same way. He's like, yeah, we don't need to get along. <laughs> so you have Johnny Cash, who is one of the most profound singer-songwriters in country and folk in Americana. And you have Joe Strummer. Need I say any more about him? <laughs> you know, coming together on a song written by the pretty much a cultural icon of Jamaica and reggae in general. You can't plan this shit out. <laughs> this, this only happened the way that it did, very serendipitously, and I feel like it's a great way to sort of close out this history lesson of sort, this tribute to Joe Strummer himself. Here is Redemption Song. 
Old pirates, yes they rob I Sold I to the merchant ship Minutes after they took I From the bottomless pit But my hand was made strong By the hand of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We got to fulfill the book So won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Old pirates, yes they rob I Sold I to the merchant ships Minutes after they took I From the bottomless pit How long shall they kill our prophets? While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We got to fulfill the book So won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs All I ever had Redemption songs These songs of freedom Songs of freedom Yeah, it doesn't really get more somber than that, right? One of the final songs that uh, both artists uh, put put out on a record. <clears throat> Though Johnny Cash didn't, uh, I don't think he released his version of that song on the album. I didn't look too much into uh, Johnny Cash. I was a little too uh, <laughs> uh, taken by uh, Joe Strummer's history. <laughs> right. But it's just so wonderful hearing those two, those two singers come together, two different voices coming from two different backgrounds and two musical exports. But that's the thing, the outreach of inspiration of both of those artists. 
particularly uh, Johnny Cash, I am hard-pressed to find someone who absolutely loathes the man in black. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he is the only artist who, who pulled the, uh, oh my God, the induction hat trick. He's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Country Hall of Fame, and I think the American Artist Hall of Fame. I can't remember what the third one's officially called, but he's the only one to do so. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Sure is. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, the old school country aficionados, they love him. The, you know, the folk heads, they love him. All the rockers love him. The metal heads love him. The punks love him. The hipsters love him. <laughs> you know, and hipsters. there's... And he's got a discography so vast. It's like you can love his uh, outlaw country stuff. You can love his uh, more, more reserved, uh, more retrospective folk tunes or Bible thumping Johnny Cash. <laughs> he's all over the place. You can love anything about him. Uh, I'm getting off track here. We're still on a Joe Strummer. So, yeah, this was, as I said, this was recorded two months before his death. And he officially passed away December 22nd, 2002 congestive heart failure. He was 50 years old. And in his wake, the <clears throat> in his wake, um, a graffiti artist, a street artist known as Dr. Revolt and his partner Zephyr uh, painted the mural of him on the wall of the Niagara Bar in New York's East Village. The one that says, uh, the future is unwritten, know your rights. And in 2013, unfortunately, the bar was uh, going under construction for uh, some type of renovation, and the wall was torn down, uh, taking the mural with it. Dang it. However, it was recreated by the same artist and is now routinely touched up. Awesome. So, so yeah, it's still there, just uh, not the original. A repress, if you will. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes that's the way it is. Yeah. And I bring this up because it does tie into uh, to Redemption Song. The music video for it uh, showcases the artist creating the original mural. And surrounding spectators, including Tim, Matt, and Lars from Rancid, actors Matt Dillon and Steve Buscemi, and Kara uh, Seymour, and also filmmakers such as uh, Sink Lee and Jim Jarmusch. Cool. Yep, they were all there just uh, watching this memorial go up because... The outreach, right? <laughs> the outreach of uh, Strummer himself. And also in the following year, in 2003, they were officially inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's awesome. So, yeah, no, no better way to end this, but I do have a little, little thing right here. <clears throat> we all are aware of uh, Joe's iconography and the inspiration he's had to many artists in and out of uh, punk rock. And he lived by his lyrics. He was involved with the Anti-Nazi League and all the Rock Against Racism campaigns. He gave support to the Rock Against the Rich concert series organized by the anarchist organization Class War. And he also took part in many protests throughout England. What more is there to say other than Joe Strummer, we love you, we still admire you, and we miss you deeply. It's too bad you couldn't have lived another 50 years. Who knows, who knows what the, uh, the scope of music would have been? Who knows what his reactions would have been to our uh, current events? I'm sure he'd have a lot to say. He always did. Right. He was always in touch with, he was always in touch with the current events and the goings of on, and he was always trying to be in touch with himself. 
So there you go. That is our Joe Strummer-themed SLC podcast episode. Thank you, Eric. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Music, Amazon, Music Player FM, Podvine, SLCPunkCast.com. You found us somewhere. You can find us in so many places. Uh, realistically, we're just going to shout out to One Fall. Go find them on Instagram and Facebook at One Fall MA. Uh, you know, there's a variety of artists in here, but mostly Joe Strummer. And unfortunately, I mean, he passed away way before there was social medias and yeah. uh, band camps and so forth to be a part of. So there's not really a place to go out. Just go out, check out the music. Go to your local record store. Exactly. And browse the section of The Clash and Joe Strummer. My roommate has a box set of both The Clash releases and Joe Strummer's releases. So there are ways, my digital-based friends, right, to listen to The Clash. Well, thanks again to Helen and Phil. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in all the way up to this point. I hope you enjoyed Joe Strummer, One Fall, the fantastic interview. Eric, uh, you, you want to let us know where we can find you and wrap up the show right here? Fuck, I guess. Um, you can find me on Instagram, my personal Instagram being scaryuncle underscore Eric underscore SLC. Eric spelled with a C. You can find my bands on Instagram at anonymous underscore band official. That's for anonymous and for the apathetics at theapathetics.slc. Our respective Facebooks are at anonymous SLC and at the apathetics. Find us on Bandcamp, anonymousslc.bandcamp.com and theapathetics.bandcamp.com. You can uh, listen to my other podcasts, Lead Melodies, on anchor.fm slash leadmelodies or on Spotify. And you can find us on Instagram at leadmelodies underscore podcast and on Facebook at lead.melodies.podcast.slc. And speaking of Facebook and SLC, follow the SLC Hardcore page at SLC Hardcore. For any uh, updates you need on the bands and their merch and their shows that they'll be playing or any crazy tours that'll be coming through this old city of ours. And yeah, that's all for my socials. <laughs> Play the fucking outro. Outro.